Everyone, welcome back. I'm Jess. And I'm Regan, and this is You Pick, We Watch, the podcast. And we take a deep dive into it, learning everything we can about your recommendations. Today, we're talking about the 1980 film Airplane. Yeah, um, I've missed the last few for our spoof, summer spoof stuff, but you guys have held down the fort. You and Matt held down the fort so very well while I was away. Well, it's sincerely been our pleasure. Yeah, it was. It's good. So I'm excited for to be able to talk about this one. Um, before we get too far into it, since me and you haven't been on at the same time for a while, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the for movies lately. So I've got a few news items that I want to talk about. Um, have you watched Miss Marvel yet? Not yet. You need to get on it. Because <laughs> it's 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 okay. I, w- I was just like, man, this is okay. And then it totally redeemed itself in literally the last minute and the post-credit scene in the last episode. Okay. Okay, so, you sold me. And if you know, you know. Like, if you've watched it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Thor Love and Thunder is out. I went and saw that. Did you see that one? I did, and I'm very curious to know what you thought of it. Um, it's Taika Waititi. That that's all I got. It's like, it's so far out there for a Marvel movie that I don't really know where it fits in the like, grand scheme of things. But it was an enjoyable ride, and it was a, almost a polar opposite of what we got with Doctor Strange. So, oh yeah, yeah. I I had some weird feelings about that movie, but that's not for now. Yeah, um, so I don't know. I'm looking forward after all the announcements they just made at Comic Con. Um, (coughs) definitely looking forward to seeing this next the next couple phases and how they they play out. Right on. Maybe we should do a special Marvel episode sometime and just talk about uh, the various movies we've seen. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Um, speaking of Taika Waititi, uh, the new season of What We Do in the Shadows has started. Um, have you watched that at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's another good, uh, fun show that started. Um, New season of Umbrella Academy is out. It just gets weirder if you haven't watched it. Um, new season, or yeah, new season of Harley Quinn just started, or just yeah, just started. What a couple days ago? Have you started it yet, or no? Not yet. I'm I'm currently debating on if I should just wait for the whole thing to come out and watch it all at once, or just do it weekly. Not sure yet. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I haven't started it yet. Um, I almost want to wait a while and then just take a day, one of my days off, and just watch the whole thing, because I love that show so much. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, I've been waiting for this season three for like two years. Right? Yeah. I like the whole reason I got HBO Max was for Harley Quinn and that show. So 
um, that in and of itself has proved to be worth the money anyway. Because um, also yeah. Mortal Kombat came out like right when I got it. So, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> also, um, speaking of HBO Max, on August 21st, we're going to have the premiere of House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel series. Oh, yes. I've heard that's been getting a lot of hype. And they released the trailer, right? The first trailer for it? Yeah. Yep. yep. I'm um, guardedly optimistic. <laughs> I've never watched any Game of Thrones, so I'm happy that you're kind of, <laughs> oh. kind of optimistic. <laughs> so you're the one person that's never seen it. Oh, okay, I was wondering who that was. Yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Um, speaking of streaming services, uh, there's a new Beavis and Butthead movie, Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, and it is so, it's like being transported back to the 90s, and I love it. Right on. Um, Mike Judge is also doing a new, uh, series of it, so keep an eye out for that if you are a Beavis and Butthead fan. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once got its Blu-ray, 4K, DVD release. So if you can support A24 and all them awesome people that made that movie, definitely buy that because it's well worth it. And if oh, you yeah. can, do, if you can do 4K, I just saw I saw the 4K case today, and that one is way cooler than the just the Blu-ray. DVD, uh, digital one. Let's pretend for one second that I don't know what 4K means. How would you <laughs> define that, Jess? 4K means the highest quality uh, stuff, and you need to have a 4K TV in order for it to even matter. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I, I watched something that was quote-unquote 4K the other day, and, I mean, it did look nice, but I could not, for the life of me, discern, like, why why isn't this, you know, a transcendent experience? Ah, I don't have a 4K TV. That would be the reason. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing in, in gaming, and we used to tell people this when I worked at GameStop. Um, like, because I worked there from 2008, to 2016 so it was or 2018 sorry and it was or 2006 to 2016 so it was a time period when ps3 had just come out and so you had blu-ray discs but most people didn't have a flat screen tv yet and they would complain about the graphics and it's like well you need the rest of it to actually have it look good so if you don't have a really a high-end TV, then like the 4K is useless. But sometimes people are silly and they just think that it's not. But that's my that's my hot take on graphics. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Speaking of impressive things that are supposed to be coming out on streaming services in the near future, uh, Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings prequel series is supposed to hit prime on September 2nd. Yeah, I've heard things I've heard think good things with coming with that too. The does it have to do with the elves? 
Um, I mean, they're definitely going to factor into it. Okay, because that's all I keep seeing is some stuff on like elves and in that land. Yeah. The the trailer really centers heavily on elf characters. Okay. Um. Let one other thing I have the Barbie movie, uh, movie stills with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling have started to come out. Have you seen them yet? I have. I. I'm so excited, and I don't know why. <laughs> uh, I I don't know how to feel about that movie, but I, I'm sure that'll cl- be clarified when the trailer comes out for it, because I still have no idea like what kind of movie they're making, you know? Exactly, and it could go one of a hundred different directions, so I am... Uh, I'm, I don't care how bad it is, I will probably still buy it straight up just because I love Margot Robbie. So, I mean, it's got, it's got some beautiful people in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Ryan Gosling looks like uh, clean-shave Ken in it. Yeah. <laughs> no, he nailed it. Um, oh, there was one other thing that came out that I was thinking of, but I lost it. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff happening. Oh, um, X-Men 97 continuation starts in 2023. That was my last thing. Okay. Yeah. Right on. I've got you know, rapid fire four things here. Uh, we have the um, Rogue One prequel series Andor coming out on Disney Plus um, at the end of August. Then we have She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, coming out um, August 17th on Disney+. Plus. The Sandman, for an adaptation of the acclaimed graphic novel series by Neil Gaiman, is coming out on Netflix on the 5th. And then on the 3rd, um, Taika Waititi's, one of many shows that he's writing on, um, Reservation Dogs, Season 2, drops on August 3rd. Yeah, do you think Taika has so much going on that he loses himself in certain projects, or do you think everything he does is spot on? I don't know. The I'm just going to say that I love everything he puts out, but Thor Love and Thunder didn't hit the same way for me this time around. And I was, I was kind of wondering that myself, but I, I think for at least the TV shows he writes for, you know, I, I don't know how long it takes to write, you know, TV scripts, especially when he's like co-making them with other people. So I don't know exactly how much responsibility he has or like how much time between projects that, you know, accounts for. But all I know is he's doing a lot and most of it hits spot on for me. Do you know he wants to do a new Star Wars movie? Had you heard that? Yeah, yeah well... He's they greenlit that, so he's definitely going to be doing a Star Wars movie. I have yeah. no idea what that's going to look like. I think they're doing all new characters or like characters that haven't had a spotlight yet. Um, and they have so many things to pull from. I think what I read is to pull from some of the books that haven't mm. that are considered canon but not haven't been shown on uh screen yet. 
but he asked he asked Natalie Portman if he wanted if she wanted to be in a Star Wars movie, and she <laughs> had to tell him that she was in three of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. I love it. Yeah. Um. All right. So, like I said, there was a lot of news. So now we can get back to our airplane movie. Um, but before we do, our get to know you question today is uh, tell me an airplane story. Everybody okay. has an air travel story. Um, I, I feel like mine are more mundane. Like there's one time that, oh, okay. Actually, you know what? So I remember back in 2016, I believe, uh, my wife and I were flying to the Dominican Republic because we got a vacation package that was stupidly cheap. And we're like, yeah, we have to take advantage of this. You know, why not go to the Caribbean? So we, you know, we fly down there. It's her first time on a plane. So she needs a little reassurance that we're not just going to fall out of the sky. You know, all the usual first time flying things. And perfectly and then on the way back we have a connecting flight through new york city and right as we have about 10 minutes left in the flight we're making the descent the roughest turbulence i've ever experienced in my life like i if i hadn't been buckled in i might have like gotten jostled out of my seat like it was really shaking the plane and i look over at liz trying to make the you know best poker face i can of like hey everything's fine this no worries at all but internally shitting my pants like am i gonna die right now or is this whole plane going down like the one thing i told her was like yeah it's fine this will never happen i was like oh god this might happen (laughs) so that's that's my little story all right um, well, I've been flying since 1984, basically. <laughs> so I have a lot of stories, but I'll pick a couple. Um, I once flew on Pan Am, which obviously doesn't exist anymore, but that's how old I am. <laughs> and I was flying back to Florida or from Florida somewhere. And we hit some turbulence and I remember being like, Oh, like this is fun because I was a little kid. I was probably, I don't know, five or six. And my mom, I just remember my mom like death gripping the seat and like just trying to just telling me it's okay. And and everything was fine. But I was like the happiest kid on the plane. And I think not even, it couldn't have even been like two years later when they fi- when they went out of business because of like the big Pan Am crash and like some other stuff that had happened. So uh, there was that. Um, I once got stuck in JFK for sixteen hours overnight Oof. on my way to Las Vegas. So we ended up having to get the earliest flight out of las vegas which was like at 6 30 or something we got to vegas at nine and i went straight to the bar (laughs) and started drinking um and then my most recent one i had just gotten hired at david's tea and like they took me they were like okay we're gonna fly you down to new jersey and you're gonna go into the city and we're gonna have a, a meeting at a hotel like with everybody in the area because we had one store in miami me 
in Niagara Falls and like everybody else was in like the New York City area. And this flight, first of all, I don't fly United or American or any of that bullshit. I fly JetBlue <laughs> or Southwest and that's it. And they of course like booked my flight and they booked it on like United and we're flying and I'm sitting in this airplane and it's a one one seat on one side and two on the other. So it is a fucking tin can. And I hit the worst. We had the worst turbulence. And then all of a sudden, like, I see the lights for the airport. Like, we're coming down, coming down. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing the plane go back up. And I'm like, what the fuck? Get me out of this plane. The girl in the seat in front of me is bawling, like, crying hysterically. The flight attendant is panicking in the seat like in her little seat the guy in front of me is watching like tv like he's fine and then you hear like the air just like almost crushing the plane because we were going up so fast and they were trying to get out of this wind gust that they had gotten themselves into and they rerouted us to albany and he landed in albany in a fucking thunderstorm and People got off. I've never seen people get off a plane and and just leave their shit. Like this the girl that was crying, like, was like, get me off this plane. She's like, the flight attendant's like, you can get off the plane, but we can't get your luggage or anything. She's like, I don't give a shit. Get me off this plane. <laughs> so like four people, four or five people get off this plane. You I hear the pilots talking in the cockpit, because I'm like two rows back from it. And they're like, man, I hope we never have to do that again. That was a close call. And I'm like crying, calling my mom, thinking I'm going to die on my way back to New York. It was the worst experience of my life. And I hope nobody ever has to go through that again. Damn. <laughs> that, on, yeah, that's an experience. Like I have never, and I've flown <laughs> for 38 years and I've never experienced something like that. And that's why I never fly those tiny little fucking planes. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> fair enough. So thankfully, this is a fun story <laughs> on airplane. Um, was Naked Gun before airplane or after airplane? I believe it was after. So I know there is actually a Naked Gun TV series. And the films were... Um, adapted from actually, wow. So I think uh, Naked Gun <laughs> must have come out in the 80s because the sequels, Naked Gun Two and a Half and Naked Gun 33 and a Third, came out in 91 and 94. Yep, 88 for the first one. So, do you consider this one of the first like spoofy? Uh, satire movies. I think Young... Oh, Young Frankenstein was 1974. So... Mel Brooks was a little early. Earlier than... uh, A little bit before this. Yeah, Blazing Saddles was 74 as well. Yeah. So... Do you think... Have you ever seen those ones? I have. Do you think that this, without going into too much detail, uh, 
compares to them? Like, do you think Mel Brooks, the Zuckers, do you think the Zuckers uh, could hold their own against Mel Brooks? Well, um, in a fist fight, I don't know. But comparing <laughs> movies, I think that um, I, I think that this is a pretty strong contender to hold up against Mel Brooks movies because I feel like he sets the gold standard, and I think this does a really good job of, you know, getting pretty close to that bar. Very nice. Um, I got a lot almost all the airplane jokes in this because of been flying for so long and it was silly for me um we'll go into that more later but i tend to like mel brooks a little bit better i'd agree with that and i think i think for this particular movie um it's because some of the references like either cultural or um just like pop culture references of the time were kind of lost on me. Like I, I had seen this a long time ago when I was a kid and I, I recorded it on VHS when I saw it playing on TV is how long ago that was. And again, it's like when I was, I don't know, nine or something, I didn't know what Hare Krishna's were, you know, <laughs> there were just a lot of things that went over my head and I just accepted that of like, Oh, you know, I guess that was part of the eighties. Yeah, the whole um, Jive Talking Brothers. Oh, my. Uh, one wouldn't fly today at all. But I grew up in Maine, and so there weren't, there was none of that at all. And I think if I had seen this as a younger person, I it would have been completely lost on me. Yeah, I... As a wee lad, I didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get the joke. Um, so the baseline for this movie is a man afraid to fly must ensure that a plane lands safety after the pilots become sick. Now, I think there's a lot of stuff in this movie that gets almost spoofed now. Like some iconic scenes, like uh, the sweating, <laughs> him sweating so mm-hmm. much. Um, they actually put that Leslie Nielsen, uh, like when he goes into the cockpit and is like, we're all counting on you. Like they've used that in other movies. Um, just like small things like that. I think I've seen in other things. Yeah. This movie definitely became like a standout, like amongst other movies when it, you know, premiered. Um, specifically, it's a lot of things are still referenced today. Like you said, that gif of Leslie Nielsen. Also, my my dad for years has always said that uh, you know, like, can you do this? Oh, surely, <laughs> I appreciate. Yeah. You know, like that. Yeah. It, it's like the literal application of <laughs> grammar that turns into a joke. Absolutely kills me. Yeah. Um. So this actually was nominated for a few things. Um, it was nominated for BAFTA in 81 for Best Screenplay. It was actually nominated for a Golden Globe, which is kind of rare for a movie like this. Um, 1981, it was for Best Picture, Best Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical. Um, it was put into the National Film Preservation Board in 2010. Um it was put into the online film and television television association 
uh, Hall of Fame in 2021. And a couple satellite awards, a Writers Guild of America award, Young Artist. Um, and then it had one bad one, <laughs> the Stinkers Bad Movie Award. Uh, worst performance by a child in a featured role was Jill Whelan. Whelan? Whelan? Uh, yeah. uh, was, it, was she the sick girl? I don't know. I think so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, not for nothing, it wasn't, it wasn't like panned when it came out at all. Oh, yeah. And it's still rated pretty highly on IMDb, too. Yeah, it is... 7.7 out of 10. Yep, and a 78 on Metascore, Metacritic. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So... We uh, cover notable faces in the cast? Yeah. Let's do that. So I obviously, know. I don't know anybody <laughs> except Leslie Nielsen. So <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say I don't recognize a ton of people. There's Leslie Nielsen who's fantastic. Um, Lloyd Bridges, who I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but his son is Jeff Bridges, as it happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Peter Graves has a familiar looking face, but I couldn't you know, tell you what movies he's been in. The only other person I really recognize is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he can't miss that man. Well, what's funny, Do you watch this with me, and she goes, hey, isn't that that basketball player? And I looked <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Because <laughs> I've only seen Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as an old, old guy, really, because I wasn't into <laughs> basketball, really. And then, like, I saw this, and I was like, oh, no shit, that is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> the only other thing I've seen him in was a Bruce Lee movie, I think, Enter the Dragon. And oh, really? he was just randomly in that as, like, an adversary. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's a tall dude. Like, he's, he's yeah. pretty close to seven feet tall, I think. It's insane. I love how in IMDb... Um, they have the blow-up doll. He has his own credit. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's even credited in the uh, like outgoing credits of the movie too. It's like and introducing Otto as himself. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, and I just got that now that his name is Otto because he's the autopilot. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's words like it's like little jokes like that that uh kind of hit hard um yeah (laughs) do you want to there's so much trivia in this so like we could spend hours doing this but we'll try to hit the highlights of things i Um, i don't even remember him being in the movie sorry i just happened to see that jonathan banks had a small role in this movie and he plays more notably, he plays the character of Mike Ehrmantraut on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, we've also seen him in the movie Free Jack as the like <laughs> corporate bad guy. <laughs> oh, Free Jack. I forgot about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> we watched some weird movies. <laughs> oh, we sure do. Oh, that's great. Um, so, 
a lot of the gags in this movie I totally got from flying like the the first one that I've got is the argument between the announcers concerning the white and the red zones at the airport. Um, when you've been in an airport, like you hear those announcements exactly as many times as those people said <laughs> these announcements, like they they play almost constantly and over each other. Like do not leave your bags. If you notice a bag unattended like those. Um, but what was fun about this is that the producers hired the same people who actually made the real world announcements at LAX. And just so you know, at the real airport, the white zone is for loading and unloading passengers only. And there's no stopping in the red zone. <laughs> They're also the- married to each other in real life, <laughs> which makes that joke, that whole back and forth, even funnier. It's great. It's it's just really funny that you know we've all heard those um, those messages played over the PA system at airports, but to have them start arguing with each other, I thought that was actually really funny. And it changes like halfway through too. Like they'll it, was, it started with like white zone is for loading and unloading passengers, and there's no stopping in the red zone. And then like a, a couple minutes into it, because you're watching the scenes happen it flips and it says the red zone is for loading and unloading passengers only and no stopping in the white zone. And I just thought it's pretty clever. I just thought it was a clever like uh, conversation. Yeah. It's almost like it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> they just have to keep playing something. The, um, <laughs> so I've, I've always gone back and forth on this particular person because, like, in the... I've only ever seen him in this movie, but apparently Steven Strucker, or Stucker, who uh, played Johnny, ad-libbed all of his lines. And now that I know that, it completely comes off like that. Like, I keep finding him, like, either funny or extremely annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so... Before this movie, a lot of these people were only in, like, really serious roles. So, um, the Zuckers and Jim Abrams chose actors such as Robert Stack, Lloyd Bridges, Peter Graves, and Leslie Nielsen because their reputation for playing no-nonsense characters in other movies. Um, they hadn't done comedy, and they were always, like, straight straight arrow. You know, like, the, the 70s had so many cop dramas, I think, and detective kind of things that that's what you would see them in um and their straightforward delivery of these lines in in a satirical movie like made it all the more funny in to them and to me like anytime um peter graves talked i was like it was just so serious but like the conversation was ridiculous yeah, I love it when people say either nonsensical stuff or extremely inappropriate stuff with just like a very straightforward, earnest like tone. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, when the when he's in the cockpit with the kid who's you know coming up to just check out the cockpit. He's like, "Oh, have you ever seen Gladiator before?" <laughs> All these wildly inappropriate things. Um, yeah, he. Uh, I think he changed some of the lines are like was like why am I doing this like this is like really he was kind of he was very um 
He was put off by how creepy the lines were. Yes, yeah, very much so. Which it's that it's funny because that's what the joke is, you know. But at the same time, yeah, I could really see how that could make someone uncomfortable to make a you know a bunch of pedophile statements. Yeah. Um, I like that this was greenlit by Paramount because the directors pitched it as National Lampoon's Animal House on a plane, which <laughs> was not exactly the truth. But that was the only way to get the studio executives to you know understand the vibe of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that. Um the do you think Leslie Nielsen would be such a household name now if not for turning over or moving into comedy with this role and getting all those naked gun movies and then like coincidentally after that pretty much always being cast in a like a guest role as somebody funny or crazy. <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. I don't I don't think that he would likely be as famous if he didn't do that. Because like again, I don't think I've seen him in a serious role, and I've I've seen a ton of his movies. Right. Yeah. And this was his first comedic role. Like, yeah. isn't that insane? <laughs> yeah, I love it. The um, so the going back to the whole uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar thing. Um, you know, he's a he was a professional basketball player and a member of the flight crew in the plane. Uh, I guess that was a reference to the movie that they based the plot of this on called Zero Hour from 1957, where they had a football player essentially in the same role. Uh, Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch as a pilot in the flame in the plane disaster film. And uh, I guess they originally tried to get a um, baseball player named Pete Rose as um, to be in that role. And uh, when he couldn't do it, because I think he was actually playing baseball at the time. So they they got Kareem to do it. And he was offered 30,000 to appear in the film. But he asked for 35,000 so he could buy an 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 oriental rug. That's so specific. That is very specific. And what's funny is I think Pete Rose, I don't know if he had started yet, but he actually uh, didn't go to jail, but he was caught cheating in baseball. He was betting on his, on his own. He was betting on games in baseball. So if it had been Pete Rose, I wonder if this movie would have had the longevity if Mm. they had cast him in it because he got, he got, put through the ringer back then back in like the 90s i think oh okay yeah no that's a good point um go ahead go ahead oh no you go ahead no you go ahead (laughs) so robert stack um he was 61 when he was in this movie and he was the i don't know air traffic controller that they got to um you know come in from his house which that's a hilarious (laughs) that's a hilarious um scene as he's driving from his house to the airport talking to someone who's briefing him on the situation and the back like track of his car like it's just a film screen behind his car the car's not really going anywhere but they're you know showing scenery moving behind him it's so ridiculous (laughs) what they put on there of like 
people on bicycles getting hit and like cars swerving off the yeah. road as if he's the crazy one and they're just having a normal conversation I, I love that but he was 61 while he was filming this movie and i noticed that he actually did his own stunts during the airport fight scene where all these you know religious people are trying to give him pamphlets and stuff and he just starts punching them and like i think he did a flip over someone like over their back and i know I noticed that, like, he actually did that at that yeah. age. I was kind of that, impressed. That whole scene, like, every time the religious people come up, I <laughs> I totally remember stuff like that happening back in the day. Like, a lot of people don't remember, or, like, you might not even remember what it's like to fly before 9-11, right? No, I actually don't think I flew before 9-11. Right. So... I was living in, I was going to school in Canada the year before 9-11 happened. And you used to just be able to like, like my mom would come through the terminal and like put me, like help me get on the plane. And I've been flying by myself since I was like 12 anyway, usually with a flight attendant, like just to bring me through the airport and stuff. But like she used to be able to go to the terminal, used to be able to just like walk everywhere. You could smoke everywhere. Um, security was not like it is now and those religious people i just i'd remember that so clearly too it's so funny and how different air travel is today versus when i was flying back in like the late 90s early 2000s yeah it's a a lot's changed i i remember seeing a episode of friends where like they walk someone to their gate and trying yeah. to reconcile that with like my 2005 knowledge of you can't do that. <laughs> you're just not allowed to do that. Yeah. And you're not. You can't do anything like that now. Nope. Um, um. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> um, okay. So it's sad to say, though, um, Otto, the automatic pilot, uh, has been disintegrated because he was spending several years in Jerry Zucker's garage. <laughs> mm, that'll happen. You have to store things properly. <laughs> another another young star taking from us too soon. Um, uh, Craig Benson, who played uh, the dude who picks up um, Robert Hayes' character, um, and gets mauled by his golden retriever. First of all, that was always my fear as a child of getting mauled by someone's extremely large dog because I've had several experiences where people are like, oh, don't worry about them. They're friendly. And then the dog starts like resource guarding the house and like growling at you. And you're like, yeah, great. Don't leave me alone with them. They will kill me. So yeah, the dude who gets mauled by the retriever, um, he actually went on to become a film producer. And ironically, his most successful film is snakes on a plane (laughs) (laughs) oh did you ever see that i didn't oh man you knew exactly what you're getting when you go see that movie snakes (laughs) on a plane it's all in the title (laughs) um snakes on a plane is actually pretty good uh honestly the whole reason i went to see it was because of all the hype surrounding it because of uh, Sam Jackson saying, you know, get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking plane. Um, so it was, it's okay, but the, they had to go the, back and reshoot that scene 
and you can tell that it was a reshot, so it's it's not great, but if you if you can see it, it's it's a good time waster. I just love the TV edit of that line of like, get these mother father snakes off this Monday to Friday plane. <laughs> what? That's almost as good as Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon. Um, here's a fun one. Robert Stack was apparently offered a percentage of the film or an extra $20,000, and he chose poorly. <laughs> so I'm assuming he took the extra $20,000. That sounds about right. There's a similar story um, that Donald Sutherland had about Animal House, where he was offered, I think it was like an extra $20,000 or a percentage in you know, with the cult classic that it became, like, he missed out on possibly, like, $20 million or something like that. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> so, the uh, the three directors had a long battle with the Directors Guild of America, because initially the guild um, initially refused to allow the three directors, you know, a single credit for that. So Jim Abrams legally changed his name to Abrams and Zuckers in order to ensure the credit was given to all three directors. And ultimately, the guild was like, okay, let's not go that far. <laughs> that's <laughs> hilarious that he was willing to do that. Yeah, for real. Um, what's your favorite scene in this movie? Honestly, most scenes with Leslie Nielsen are great, but I, I really like um, Lloyd Bridges in the air traffic control tower. It's it's just one thing that's one sequence that's always stuck in my head is him, you know, just look, you know, looking serious and being like, ah, I quit, I quit, I picked the wrong week to quit smoking, and then later say, I quit the wrong, I picked the wrong week to quit drinking, and then after that's like amphetamines, and it's just like a <laughs> yeah. sniffing glue. It keeps escalating, and I love that. <laughs> That is, yeah, that's a good running joke through the whole thing. Um, I think my favorite scene is honestly the very beginning when you have the airplane tail coming through the clouds with the jaws steam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely, like, it was a perfect way to start the movie, and I love how they did it, too, because it was just, like, you can tell that that's all practical, because obviously it's 1980, so. Mm-hmm. And they really did smash the plane through a window, and it cost $40,000. <laughs> Those practical effects, they hold up. They do. Um, the, so there's a scene where um, someone turns on the you know, airplane air for his wife, and you know, it blows everything everywhere. It's like a wind tunnel almost, and you see a man in the background wearing a large beard which was apparently supposed to fly off from the wind, but the adhesive they used wouldn't actually let it come loose. So you can see him scrunching his face trying to help it come off. <laughs> and those things do, like, blow air so hard at you. It's oh, ridiculous. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually tend to keep mine off because the person sitting next to me, like, I get the, uh, <laughs> the contact high of that air <laughs> yeah. banking off yep. them and hitting me. Yep, I agree with that. Um, let's see. I was gonna say there's a there's a lot of fun running jokes in this movie, and 
I've found that like it usually starts out with a joke that I think is very mediocre. Or like, oh, that didn't need to be in here. I didn't think that was funny. But then the repetition of it, like two or three times later, makes it funny, which I I don't have that feeling a lot when I'm watching movies these days. Yeah. Um, the long payoff doesn't usually happen anymore, I feel. Yeah. That is true. Like, for instance, when the, the there's a couple sitting and as a sewerist come, comes by, um, she asks if they want coffee. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll have one. Or like, I'll have a second cup. And she's like, in her mind, the wife is like, oh, he never has a second cup at home. And I'm like, that's yeah. not funny. And then like later on, he's like vomiting horribly. And she's like, oh, Ted never vomits at home. <laughs> it just gets weirder and weirder. Yeah. Uh, oh, there was one other one. Okay. Yeah, this was the last... This is my last one. Um, that scene where the... Um, there's a hysterical passenger. And this was... Um, Lee Bryant played the hysterical woman. And they, there was, like, a gag where somebody slapped her. But Lee Bryant was like, why don't we just have all the annoyed passengers come over and form a slap line? And they, they were liked it and they were hesitant, but they were hesitant to do it, fearing Bryant might get hurt. However, they agreed to it and they added the props. Like when the camera's going down, you see the guy with the boxing gloves or the tire iron. The last guy's got like a revolver. <laughs> and uh they refilm they filmed it and According to Brian, Leslie Nielsen's second slap was not re- rehearsed or expected, and he really hit her. So, <laughs> but I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good gag. Yeah, I, I wanted to slap people on a plane. So, um, to that same uh, credit, there, I guess a lot of lines that they had in the movie were direct lifts from that zero hour movie that they were using as like the basis of this film. So um, they were repeated basically just as they were in the original movie. Like looks like I picked the wrong week to give up smoking or like the hysterical female passenger who gets slapped by different people. Like all of these lines are delivered like dead earnest in zero hour. And it's funny how just putting them in a slightly different context, you know, makes it a comedy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you could almost say how Scary Movie is a direct lift of Scream with other things added in, but the basis for the movie is Scream. Um, mm-hmm. How this is, Zero Hour is like the base of this movie. Like even the line, we have to find someone who can not only fly this plane, but who didn't have fish for dinner is the same as it was in that original movie. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's all I have. That's all I have. I'm just trying to wait for my slow computer to move over. All right. So budget for this was $3.5 million in 1980. So that's quite a hefty for a comedy, too. <laughs> that's pretty great. Uh, 40000 of that, as we know, went to the airplane crashing through the window so that's not too bad 
Um, but it ended up grossing uh eighty three, almost eighty three and a half million dollars. So that's quite the return on your investment. And from what I've read, it was uh it recouped the three point five in the first two days of release. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I I have a new term that I just thought of to describe that kind of um return on investment, which is it, it uh, that's shitty sequel money is what that is. It's like you make <laughs> so much money unexpectedly that uh, yeah, we got to make another one of these, and then it's always like a horrible flop. Yeah, I didn't even know they made a sequel until I saw that until I read it while doing this. Oh yeah, I uh, I actually think I've seen the sequel too back in the day because I think they did uh, marathons of those two movies. Uh, I don't know on some channel at some point. Um, all the ratings for this are pretty tame. You know, it's PG here. Um, it's got a lot of like twelve, fifteen. Uh, T PGs, uh, nothing crazy. It's not banned anywhere. I don't see. Nope. You can even watch it in the United Arab Emirates. So if you go to Dubai, you're allowed to watch it there. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing. Oh, even in Hong Kong, you can watch it. It's an I. I don't know what that means, but you can watch it there. I for I'd see that movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um right. thing up. So one second. Everybody wait. Stalling? We're not stalling. stalling. Why would you think we're stalling? <laughs> Um, oh, well, while we're stalling, I watched uh, 40 Year Old Virgin last night for the first time, and that does not age well. <laughs> yeah, there's. I feel like raunchy comedies in the early 2000s, I. Maybe that's worth exploring sometime, is revisiting some of those and see which hold up, because I can't imagine many of them do. 40-Year-Old Virgin was a movie I only saw in the 2000s. I can only imagine how it hits now. 2005 to 2010 was a weird time. It sure I was. Go 2003 to 2000... I would say 2003 to 2007 was a very weird time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we have reached the part of our podcast where we give our final thoughts and you find out whether we give this movie two thumbs up, two thumbs down, or anything in between. Um, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Um, uh, yeah, I'll go first. All right. So I saw this movie a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And it's, it's always succeeded in making me laugh. I think that there are a lot of jokes that were dated when I first saw it and now are extremely dated. The whole, everything about flying has changed in the meantime. Um, that being said, I think a lot of the humor still does come through and a lot of the, most of the jokes don't really rely on, you know, having knowledge prior of something. So, um, 
given all the you know running gags and just <laughs> crazy stuff that happens out of seemingly nowhere it all kind of works rather well together that being said like i i'm pretty hesitant to give it too much praise just again because it's very dated and especially if you're going into it you know blind i think you'll be entertained but you might not love it so at this point in life i would give it one thumb up i still do like it a lot but it's it's definitely lost a little bit of its charm you know over the years yeah i have to totally agree with you on that um this was my very first time watching it and what i enjoyed most about it is the nostalgia of oh yeah you used to be able to do all this on planes you used to be able to do all this in airports um you used to get real meals on a plane and not just crackers and a drink like um so that it was kind of fun to watch it and be like oh man i remember the good days <laughs> um i think you're right about the jokes they don't they're not tied to the age of it i guess it's more of like quirky um uh, like dialogue and stuff in the background that maybe you wouldn't notice on a first watch through um and like the delivery of those lines i think is kind of what makes it stand out a little more because it's almost like it's not trying to be a satire it's trying to be serious but we know it's not also trying to be serious does that make sense yeah. i think it makes sense um and i think it's perfectly acceptable for a satired spoof movie um i think it kind of relaunched some careers um definitely some people got more well known during it and uh yeah, I think some stuff hits, some stuff doesn't. Like you said, aged has aged poorly, but I would give it uh, one thumb up too. I do think there are better uh, spoof movies and satire movies. Uh, most notably, I think the one that we should watch for our next episode, because we're still doing like this summer, summer of spoof for right now, since the episodes have been few and far <laughs> between right now. Um, I think we should do Young Frankenstein for the next one. And Agreed. I think we should, we should compare them. Because I think, without getting too much into it, I think we would find that that one holds up, even though it's older. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I, I guess I'm hesitant to say the airplane doesn't hold up, but I, I don't know. I'm really on the fence about that, because... I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. I'm on the fence. Yeah. Well, with this one, I had to really try myself to not give it a, a no thumb because I could care. I honestly could care less either way. But I think I would. I'm. But I know I'm going to give it a one thumb up just because of like some of the subtle details in it. Yeah. I think it the, it a bit. The the things that land really land. Like I I need to amend my previous choice of my favorite gag in the movie it's definitely the main character's drinking problem which <laughs> is him just he can't line a cup up with yeah. his mouth 
I forgot about that. Like when he first says, "That's when I got my drinking problem," and then you see him like take a drink. <laughs> he like misses. <laughs> that is probably one of the best running gags in the movie. <laughs> I did laugh every time that happened. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Uh, I think that's it for us. So, uh, yeah, take us out, Regan. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Next time, we're going to discuss Young Frankenstein. Um, We are going to be on a month-long hiatus, just so I can get my life together and figure out what I'm doing. (laughs) And um, so first week in September is when we're going to be able to cover this one. Uh, If you like what you hear, give us a quick five-star review. It really does help. And, you know, I just personally appreciate it. That'd be very nice of anyone to do. And thank you for everyone who's already done that. I'm Regan. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Brooks. And I'm Jess. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at RadMadMal. In the Discord, but I'm not as... My life has been very busy as well. (laughs) So I know that there are a few uh, requests in the Discord that we haven't got to. Um, but I will compile them. So if you guys want to put stuff in there all through August, um, we'll also try to bounce in there and like, just say what movies we've been watching and stuff like that. Um, summertime is very hard for us cause it's just, there's a lot going on. So thanks for everybody hanging out and, uh, keeping up with us. We appreciate it very much and we love doing this and it's been fun to get back uh and uh we will see you all in september so get your uh get your halloween stuff in too because you know we do that in october so yeah help us compile a spooky list yep yeah we'll do the last young the young frankenstein which actually young frankenstein can lead into spooky time because it's a good crossover I was about to say, that's a good transition. Yeah. So, Young Frankenstein will end spoof summer and uh, in true go into uh, our two spooky months of September and October. Perfect. All right. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you. We'll catch you next month.